Welcome to BIV Today, the podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPoint, publisher and editor-in-chief. Life Sciences BC, the umbrella organization for British Columbia's rapidly developing life sciences sector, has a new board chair and Ali Ardakani is a biotech executive with vast experience in bringing projects from the vision of a scientist all the way into the market. I thought it'd be a good time for us to catch up on the sector and what its outlook is like. We haven't talked in a long time about life sciences on this podcast. So welcome to the program. Thanks a lot. Good to have you. Thank you for having me, Kirk. Um, you know, in terms of economic impact, of course, it's a fast growing and significant sector, but I want to get some thoughts from you to start off on, on what you think the life sciences sector and its, and its you know, growing impact is having in terms of the culture of industry in British Columbia. Well, this is a really critical time. Um, I think, especially post-COVID, um, globally, we found out that healthcare and healthcare innovation is critical for society to be able to function properly. And this doesn't escape us in BC either. Um, BC, British Columbia, was able to play a very important role both locally and globally. Um, I think you can say the culture has evolved from companies that used to innovate with one product and bring one product to market to companies that have significant and impactful platforms that can change the way we transform medicine and be able to transform patient and healthcare. And BC has played a you know front seat role in that. The the um the culture that it also has, it seems to me um, is one of like a, a grand enthusiasm right now. I mean, where, where a lot of other sectors are established and uh, you might call them stabilized somehow in a particular way, but maybe with a bit of a ceiling. Um, life sciences to me feels like something that just still has this, uh, well, the, the, there's no particular ceiling to it. As, as, and, and I wonder what that does in terms of uh, of the kind of day-by-day um, energy that you feel uh, in in the sector, both as an executive and now running running a board that oversees it. You're absolutely right. So if you look at it across Canada, um, not just BC, um, the biotech sector is fairly nascent compared to places like Boston and San Francisco that are established. However, I could tell you, BC is getting there. Um, and the reason you're feeling the enthusiasm is because we think we have limitless potential. Um, you can see that with the work that Abcelera did, um, and now they've, they've broken ground for a massive facility in terms of yeah. antibody discovery. You can see with the work that um, Lipid Nanoparticle Group out of UBC, headed by Peter Cullis and all the companies associated with him, like Aquitas, who de- developed the lipid nanoparticle for Pfizer vaccine. Um, and then, of course, the cell and gene therapy from Peter Zanstrad, UBC, uh, headed by him, company that was launched called Notch Therapeutic. You're absolutely right. We're in the renaissance. I would say we're in, we're in the renaissance of um, development of novel and exciting transformational medicines that's taking place in British Columbia. And you know, history is taking right in front of our eyes. I think in a few years, you're gonna see some um, breakthrough medicines that's gonna be, that's that's been discovered here. Um, do you think it took the pandemic 
to make this place appreciate and encourage the life sciences sector in the same way? You know, it's the old saying, you know, success is preparation meeting opportunity. Mm. I think for many years, for over you know, a couple of decades, we were getting prepared for this without really knowing it. And when the pandemic hit, probably we were one of the more prepared jurisdictions in terms of solutions we could bring in, whether it was digital health with by you know companies like Thrive, whether it was um, Abcelera developing um, the first monoclonal antibody treatment for COVID, and of course the lipid nanoparticle, which brought vaccines to millions of people. Um, you know, we were prepared. We didn't even know we're being prepared, but we were prepared. We knew that we had sound science. We knew that we, you know, we had the best working on truly amazing solutions. Um, but when the pandemic hit, I think we were probably one of the luckier jurisdictions to be prepared. Yeah. You know, uh, we'll often think by virtue of where we are, that when there's a development here, uh, that, you know, we must be world beaters. We must be world beaters. Um, and then you find out, oh, no, you know, there are bigger places. There are stronger places. There are even smarter places doing something that we thought were, was actually at it. Can you tell me, though, you know, do, do you have that confidence now uh, in the sector that what British Columbian science and tech is doing in this field is actually now at the forefront? Uh, globally? I think on a number of areas, we are at the forefront. Of course, we can't lose sight that this is a competitive field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what you develop is competed globally with the best of the best. We are competing with what comes out of Harvard and MIT. So, you know, I think we are in certain areas, we certainly are the best. And in certain areas, we can we can become better. Um, yeah. But, you know, for the size of our geography, for the critical mass we have, which is still fairly small, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, compared to a lot of larger jurisdictions out there, I think we definitely punch above our weight uh, in terms of how much impact we have. Um, what we have going for us is, I can tell you, and I've been told by people from other places across Canada and United States, is that we have a very collaborative community. When you look at organizations like Admare uh, Innovations, you look at um, you know, all the hospitals, universities, uh, BC Cancer Agency, um, the biotechs that are grown out of here, we have a very tight community that, that really sticks together. And you know, we try to bring the best by helping each other out. And that's really helpful. Yeah. You know, um, I think some people would be really interested to know um, the role of the board in um, in all of this, because you know some boards operate uh, quite aggressively in terms of you know uh, neighboring the operation of certain of the firm that's underneath it or the organization underneath it. Some really take a you know view from five thousand feet and really and do that. It, you know it, you're the chair now. You've been you know you you know the board very well. Um, what what do you see as the role of a board? At this juncture for the sector what, what can it what can it do best and what should it kind of leave alone sure so i've um i've been fortunate to be part of the board since 2017 and i became vice chair in 2018 so um and i've been part of the executive committee for the last um, i guess five years 
um, uh, four years. Um, you know, our board is, our job is to enable the team of the management team of LSBC do their, you know, be able to serve our ecosystem the best. This is a volunteer board and we have a fairly broad um, state, you know, broad stakeholder at the board. We've got people that represent universities. We've got people that represent biotechs. We've got people that represent digital health, med tech companies. We are very unique as a society that we represent a very broad spectrum of what touches life sciences compared to some other organizations across Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so our board is to just make sure the team at LSBC has all the resources to serve our ecosystem the best. Uh, we bring in um, a mosaic of input um, and opinions to make sure everyone is well heard and we can address the challenges that we have. We have a lot of opportunities, but I can tell you, we also have our own challenges as an ecosystem, so that as just uh, as any other ecosystem out there. So we want to make sure we are better prepared to help um, our ecosystem grow faster and better. I think I'm going to touch on two of those uh, uh, challenges um, here in my questions. Uh, first one, uh, but I think one that probably you're you're experiencing a great deal of improvement with, would be the relationship with government and how governments have have uh, also cottoned on to the importance of the life sciences sector, of course, but secondly, the has become more sophisticated in how it intervenes, uh, what incentives it provides, what which ones it doesn't provide uh, in order to try to find the best way of expending public finance in order to have uh, some kind of a high impact in the sector. What, what have you seen there, Ali, over the last number of years in terms of a how would I put it, an evolution, I guess, of how governments are dealing with the sector. So I can tell you, we used to have a trip to legislature once a year, and I've been part of that since 2017. Um, certainly, I think we find the government to be more receptive than ever. Again, um, we found them receptive before COVID, and we found them much more receptive now. Um, mm -hmm. They know the impact we're making. Um, we are having um, a labor market assessment done right now to understand what is, how big is our ecosystem, you know, in terms of the impact we have both socioeconomically, scientifically um, on British Columbia. I think this is going to really help the government understand and appreciate what we're trying to do better. Every um, government seems to want an economic impact uh, understanding before it basically shells out, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, it's yeah. it's understandable, and something like this with, with this magnitude had never been done before. So, we're excited to be to be doing that, and it's it's a it's a fairly sizable project in terms of the number of stakeholders involved, and the kind of report that's going to come out, I think, will be uh, tremendously helpful to everybody. You know, over twenty thousand jobs in British Columbia are related to to the work we do and in our ecosystem so and these are all high fairly high paying job that most of these people have um yeah. you know advanced degrees so the work that's being done is definitely impactful for the society yeah uh, the second area um is one i think almost every industry is experiencing right now which is how do you find the talent how do you find the talent how do you 
not just recruit it, but how do you retain it? And uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard, uh, you've read it in 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 the news. Vancouver is an expensive place. Um, uh, so so, what is the sector experiencing there in terms of its its own challenge? So, talent is is very interesting. Um, I personally believe talent is the most important part of innovation. If you have good talent, you can take a technology and make it successful. But if you have very good technology and you don't have talent, the chances of that technology not succeeding is fairly high. That's my personal opinion. And I've seen it over and over again. So we are competing globally, both on quality and quantity um, for talent. Uh, there are specific areas that I know certain co- you know companies uh, in British Columbia are desperately looking for the right talent because our sector is highly specialized. So if, I'll give an example. If you need someone who has um, has developed a certain drug that with a certain class with a certain manufacturing um, criteria, there's probably a handful of people in the world who've done that. That's not something that you could quickly bring someone and train them. It's, it's experiential waste. So sure. you have a company, you've raised capital, and you're looking for this executive that can help you with what they call CMC, which is uh, chemistry manufacturing control. It's an important part of how you make a drug to, uh, to fit you know, the, the guidelines of Health Canada and FDA. And you find this person um, in Boston or San Francisco, you need to attract them to come to British Columbia. People realize, you know, people have to understand everyone has a family. So they look around. We have a handful of companies, but we don't have hundreds of companies. So if this company becomes successful, um, you'll probably get acquired. Very few companies, unfortunately, last year. Now we're hoping Absellera will be an anchor company that will last a long time. But most biotechs that British Columbia and other places across Canada and a lot of other smaller jurisdictions build get acquired by larger larger companies. So if you look at it from a talent perspective, this executive is looking at it and says, the outcome for me to move here is two things. You know, put aside the fact that it's expensive real estate. Let's assume he can afford real estate. If I move here, and the company is successful, it's going to get acquired. I have to look for something else. Are there other companies here that I can you know, transplant to? And if it's not successful, the outcome is the same. So it's challenging. It's getting yeah. much better than I can tell you about 10 years ago, 2012, 2013. Um, you know, I moved back from New York around 2014, 15. It, we, the, the ecosystem was not as thriving as it is now. It's yeah, really- I guess I, I get it. Yeah, at some point you have it. You have a tipping point, don't you? Where where there is enough of a mass of companies that you know that if you actually that, that there's mobility inside the market. Exactly. So we, that, need, yeah, we that's need, the thing, right? Yeah. You know, we have now venture capitals like Amplitude, who have you know three people full time in Vancouver. They've got an office in Vancouver. They're creating a number of companies in Vancouver. This is new. Uh, we didn't have any. We didn't have that kind of presence before. Um, I believe Lumira has someone here. These are these are major VCs. We still don't have, you know, and I wrote an article about this um, uh, a couple of years ago that we need more investors 
in British Columbia, out of British Columbia, you know, supporting British Columbian companies. It's getting better, but I think a lot more work needs to be done. Isn't it also just that we we need a way to try to to have these companies anchor here, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 for stability of the, of a of a thing, where you then can start attracting more and more satellite companies, um, you know, you have to have these anchor ones. And you you mentioned Epseller, and of course, it's a fantastic success story. Uh, five years ago, nobody you know even thought about it. But now, of course, you know it's we almost seem to be pinning some hope on on a place like Epsilera to be the attracting body for all of it. How, how are we, um, and what do we need? I guess is what my question is. What do we need to keep companies here? You know, it's so. This is a function of markets and free economy, um, both fortunately and unfortunately. For so you're going to tell me we can't do it. <laughs> No, I think it's, it's doable. So, I mean, if you look at a company like Eli Lilly, it's out of Indianapolis, which is not a biotech hub by, by all means, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a company with a hundred, over $100 million market cap. It's one of the major global farmers. They have a lo- lot of partnerships actually with companies in and around British Columbia, but they have in, in their, you know, in, uh, in their corporate structure they have something that they cannot be acquired by another company and it's something that um it turns out an investment that was made by state they they cannot be sold so there are ways where the government can can right. create incentive or disincentivize a company to get acquired by someone else but this needs to be done carefully so it doesn't it doesn't become a hindrance for the growth of well, it. No, there's no no investor wants to think of the poison pill at your company, right? I mean, they, yeah. they'd like to think that you're still, you know, that maybe if, if good times work out for you, that you could move it. And I, but I, I, but I, but I wonder whether it is, is for you a, a, a critical question when people are, people are going through this this dilemma of whether to move. You know, like, gee, uh, you seem so small. I, I'm not going to be there very long. I'll be there for three three summers and that'll be it or something yeah no i think as i said it's getting better i mean you need to understand that uh, we uh, my own personal advisory investment company we've been we've been able to bring on board a number of american executives to move to canada and bc and work here this is a phenomenal place to raise a family it's mm-hmm. safe it's clean it's got a phenomenal access to nature so there are advantages as a geography that we need to play hard to attract this. Um, and we're seeing it is getting better for people or easier to sell the idea that British Columbia is a phenomenal place to move and work. And when people see success stories, especially in specific areas that we, we, we have really good strength, you'll see a lot more people hopefully moving here. And, uh, and, and once you have great talent moving here, it's, it's a catch 22 talent moves, capital moves and innovation thrives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last area I want to talk about, and and it is more to do with the outlook of it. Um, And I don't want to talk too much about impediments because I think we've talked a little bit about that, but but tell me a little bit about your own belief in um, in where this uh, sector takes us as a province 
you know, we we know that we have to deal with uh, resource extraction in, in our in our economy um, as something upon which we depend, because it can be very cyclical, and uh, and we know that in some cases with our resources, there, you know, society is pushing harder and harder all the time to have less and less dependence on some of our things like fossil fuels. So we need other economic engines in order to grow our province. It, how much of a factor do you think is life sciences going to be in this? Because as you noted, these are highly skilled jobs. These are, these are jobs that require uh, advanced degrees in many cases, that require you know, a, a, you know, almost a different kind of uh, employee than what, what we've been generating at times out of our schools. But if you had to look at the vision for this and what your what your prospects are and what your ambitions are for a sector like this over the next 10 to 20 years, what would it look like? You know, and I'm speaking for myself, I haven't run this vision specifically by our um, by our uh, society Um but I'm hoping well, we, can, we, can, we can run it right here. <laughs> sure. So, so I'm hoping in the next five to 10 years, we'll be one of the top five geographies in North America for life sciences development. And that would mean, you know, if someone is looking around to create a company, we would be one of the top four or five jurisdictions they would look at to say, you know what, I want to, I want to build my company NBC. I want to, it's got phenomenal universities. It's got good access to talent. Obviously, capital is already flowing, so capital probably won't be an issue. Um, and I want my family to live here. This is the best place to live. And in terms of, you know, you, you, it was very important what you said. You know, we need to be able to um, grow our economy from a number of different angles, whether it's tech, whether it's life sciences, whether it's um, you know digital economy, all of these things are important. This is the future of, uh, of growth and economy. You can't be extracting resources and fish to grow your economy forever. I think that's that's a that's a bygone era. We need to look at what's the future. You know, when you think about the economic value that one can create by a discovery that can go out there and, you know, serve billions of people in, in terms of the vaccine that's been out there, you know, three and a half billion doses have been distributed. That's, that's significant. And you will not be able to make anything out there in terms of resources or anything like that imp have such an impactful um, effect. And we likely will need more of those successes to to win the world over, though, right? I mean, because that is one thing when you're punching above your weight. You you know, people don't take your weight class all that uh, all that seriously at the start. So, so I guess there's a challenge there ahead of you. We've had a great conversation. I really thank you. I hope you'll we'll talk regularly um, on this. Podcast. Looking forward to it, and I hope to bring more good news every time we talk to show that. We are on that trajectory to become one of the top five jurisdictions for life sciences development. Well, as somebody on a, a couple of volunteer boards, I can tell you, you know, they, they definitely get their money's worth out of me, but I'm sure they get their money's worth out of you too. So Ali Ardakani, great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Best of success this year as the chair. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm Crypto Point. I'm publisher of editor and, and editor-in-chief of BIV. Thanks a lot for watching.